I want you to kill every golfer on the course. Check me if I'm wrong, Sandy, but if I kill all the golfers, they're gonna lock me up and throw away the key. Golfers! You great kid, not golfers! The little brown furry rodents! We can do that. Why? We don't even have to have a reason. Do it, man! All right, let's do the same thing, but with gophers. Ah, Jedi is power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, penetrates us, binds the galaxy together. Hey everybody, welcome to the Force, of course, your bite-sized Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I don't know what season it is. It's 70 degrees one day, it's 20 degrees the next. It's raining, it's snowing, it's raining, it's snowing, it's always cloudy. I just need to decompress. And I can't think of a better way to do that than to work on my Star Wars figure collection. I still have figures uh, that I got for Christmas that are just chilling here on the desk and I need to work them into my display shelves. Yep, it's a rough life, guys. It's a rough life. Now, this week, I have some fun stuff planned for us. We're going to discuss some casting wish lists, if you will. We're going to do another Star Wars movie trailer breakdown. I have a what's up with that guy for you all and more. But before we do any of that, you know we have to check in with the Force of Course News of the Week. Screen Rant is reporting that Disney is struggling to fill rooms at their Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser Resort. And I am shocked. Actually, I'm not fucking shocked at all. These prices are ridiculous, and there's no way you'll ever convince me that the experience is going to equal those price points. Nope. I kind of hope this resort falls on its face, and Disney has to face the fact that their greed went unchecked on this project. It's just gross. But enough about that. Uncle George and Kathleen Kennedy were presented the PGA Milestone Award for 2022 earlier this month, and my first thought was, I didn't know they were into golf. Turns out the PGA in this instance is the Producers Guild Awards, and they were being honored for their combined contribution to the industry. George and Kathleen have more than 175 projects they've released either individually or collaboratively through Lucasfilm. That's impressive. Most impressive. Maybe then they went golfing. Um, It's not clear. Also, golf is boring. And this concludes the Force of Course News of the Week. So let's have a little fun and relive the original Star Wars trailer from way back in 1976. Imagine, if you will, it's Christmas and life was simpler. No internet, no smartphones, no streaming services. My personal Christmas list was most likely filled with army men, Snoopy color forms, Stretch Armstrong or the Bionic Man, and probably some Planet of the Apes toys. Now that's goddamn depressing, but that's all we had. Now, if you were at the movies during that time, you were probably seeing either the Bad News Bears, Marathon Man, Logan's Run, or the outlaw Josie Wales. And before the movie, you could very well have been treated to a trailer for a film that would change everything. But looking at that trailer now, 
It's a wonder the movie even made it to release. This trailer is full of unfinished visual effects. It's missing the iconic John Williams score. It's rough, and that's being very kind. But as a six-year-old, I can remember seeing the trailer and being blown away. In fact, the studio almost pulled the plug on the trailer, but Uncle George fought to release it. Even with the missing effects, it was clear that the overall magic and the spirit of the film was there. In just two minutes and two seconds, we were given enough Star Wars magic to create a bit of a frenzy. I'm going to tell it like it is now because I'm not going to damage the box office numbers at this point. It's just kind of funny how low-tech this trailer is. Okay, so we start with a Starfield and a low-budget Star Wars logo. Not the stylized logo that we all know and love now, but a super basic font Star Wars logo. And it's slowly approaching the screen. Now, this cuts back uh, throughout the trailer until at the very end, the Star Wars is big on screen. So imagine this jumps in cutscenes every once in a while. Then we hear a voice. The voice of character actor Malachi Throne. And what a name, huh? But we hear this guy say, somewhere in space, this may all be happening right now. What? What the hell was that? Somewhere in space, this may all be happening right now? Huh. This is a pretty far cry from the tagline that is beloved to fans now. I'd love to hear how this clunky-ass line evolved into the epic line a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Wow. Okay, so we see the escape pod being launched from the Tantive Four. We see a TIE fighter screaming towards the screen with the Millennium Falcon in pursuit. More from the narrator, 20th Century Fox and George Lucas, the man who brought you American Graffiti, now bring you an adventure unlike anything on your planet, Star Wars. Now, I need to stop right here real quick. Can you guys imagine a world where George Lucas is best known for bringing us American Graffiti? That's wild. But in 1976, that's where we were. Okay, back to the trailer. Leia and Chewie in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. Leia says, here they come. And we are treated to shots of the fighters making an attack run on the Falcon. There's Luke at the gunner station saying, they're coming in too fast. And the narrator's back. He says, the story of a boy a girl, and a universe. Then we get a clip of the scene where the interrogator droid is entering Leia's cell. This is where we're treated to our very first glimpse of Darth Vader, and this is definitely a missed opportunity, at least in my opinion. The trailer reveal of the big bad in this movie deserves more. I would have shown either the scene of him first walking on board the rebel ship at the very beginning of the movie, or the scene with him holding out his hand, choking Admiral Mahdi with the force. But what do I know? Back to the narrator. It's a big, sprawling space saga of rebellion and romance. We get more reaction shots of Leia and Chewie. We get the scene where Han is shooting it out with stormtroopers before they blast off from Tatooine. And I actually remember this part of the trailer and thinking those stormtroopers were probably robots. I didn't know. Nobody knew. Again, the narrator. It's a spectacle light years ahead of its time. Uh, we get the scene with 3PO coming out of the oil bath and introducing himself to Luke uh, and R2-D2. Uh, then we get something cool. The scene where Obi-Wan lops off Walrus Man's arm and the cantina bartender, his name is Wuher, is diving behind the bar yelling, no blasters, no blasters. But it's a different voice than what ended up in the film. I have to imagine that's actually the actor's real voice. And what we get later is some, I don't know, post-production voiceover. Could be the same guy, but it sounds totally different. I don't know. Back to the narrator. It's an epic of heroes. 
Cut in the scene where Luke and Leia swing across the Death Star Chasm. Chasm? 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 Back to the narrator. And villains. A very quiet and awkward version of Darth Vader choking Captain Antilles and holding him up in the air. I believe on the Tanta Four, and just tossing him aside. It's so unfinished. It's so awkward. Back to the narrator, and aliens from a thousand worlds, and we get the Tusken Raider attacking Luke. Then we see a very obviously unfinished version of the lightsaber duel between Old Ben and Darth Vader. The blades are colorless light tubes, and the sound effects are way off. Uh, we get trash compactor shots. We get R2 being sucked into the Jawa Sandcrawler. The Jawas attacking R2. The Millennium Falcon on board the Death Star with some hilarious sirens blaring. I mean, they sound like something out of Benny Hill. Then back to the narrator. Star Wars, a billion years in the making, and it's coming to your galaxy this summer. And then the shitty font Star Wars explodes like the Death Star. And that's the end of the trailer. Two minutes and two seconds. By today's standards, this trailer is whack for sure. But you have to understand, we'd never seen anything like this before. It was, it, even with its flaws, its unfinished effects and the corny narration, it was fantastic. And it made promises that it would not just deliver on, but far surpass. We all know the story and how successful Star Wars was. It's just comical that one of the greatest movies ever made, a movie that changed cinema, changed marketing, changed pop culture as we know it, started with such a turd in the pool of a trailer. But there you have it. You can see it for yourself on YouTube if you're feeling brave, and I suggest you check it out. It's, it almost looks fake. It's so unfinished. Okay, so I mentioned the scene where Vader chokes one of the members of the Death Star's command staff. That unfortunate bastard was Admiral Mahdi, and he's the subject of this week's edition of What's Up With That Guy. Admiral Conan Antonio Mahdi, another cool name, was a human male from the planet Sesuena. He climbed the ranks of the Imperial Navy quickly, being equal parts brilliant tactician and clever politician. He was actually close to edging Tarkin out for the title of Grand Moff, but we know how that worked out. Aside from Leia, Mahdi was the only person to outwardly challenge Vader, mocking his quote-unquote sorcerer's ways, which earned him the force choking we witnessed. Now, Mahdi's pride in what Vader calls a technological terror leaves him feeling safe aboard the Death Star during the Rebels' attack, and that was ultimately what did Admiral Mahdi in, as he basically bit it when Luke blew up the space station at the end of A New Hope. And there you have it. That's what's up with that guy, Admiral Mahdi edition. Okay, let's go to break, and when we come back, we're going to do some fan casting and have a little fun. Stick around. When you've got the strength of the force, you're ready for war. A war between freedom and tyranny. A war between both sides of the force, the strongest power in the universe. Don't underestimate the force. Feel the force. Fight the battles. Live the adventure. With Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection, the biggest collection of vehicles, figures, and playsets in the galaxy, each sold separately, only from Kenner. Okay, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the break. I know I did. I took myself a little nap, and then I made a burrito, and it was so good. Speaking of burritos, remember last week when we talked about Christopher Lloyd being cast in Season 3 of The Mandalorian? Yep, that's the worst segue ever. Uh, ever. But it did get me to thinking about casting for Star Wars. Uh, the Mandalorian started this trend of making some outside-the-box decision when it comes to casting. I mean... Carl Weathers wasn't an obvious choice, but I think it panned out. 
Gina Carano fit the role of Cara Dune, I'll say fairly well. You know, keep her personal stuff aside. I think she was cast well. Werner Herzog and Giancarlo Esposito were good picks, but then we get people like Horatio Sands, Brian Posehn. They seem like odd choices. Luckily, their screen time was fairly minimal. I mean, Horatio Sands did come back, but again, minimally. But what about Nick Nolte as an Ugnot? I remember when I heard that, I, I was just stunned. I didn't know what the hell to think. Where did that even come from? But what do I know? Because it totally worked. Bill Burr was another head-scratcher that totally worked. Amy Sedaris, same thing. So maybe Christopher Lloyd isn't such an odd pick. Maybe I just need to trust the showrunners. I mean, I can't complain so far. Look at all the great casting we've been given so far with Ming-Na Wen, Emily Swallow as the armorer, Rosario Dawson, Katie Sackhoff, Sasha Banks. Oh my god, Sasha Banks. Am I the only one that wants to see more of her story? And I'd be failing as a fan if I didn't mention Timothy Oliphant. Now, the book of Boba Fett scared me a little when I read that Stephen Root was cast. I was afraid he'd be looking for a stapler again. But luckily, his part was again small, and I was so distracted by the awful mods that he was forgettable. But Book of Boba Fett did have the same success with its casting. Sure, a lot of them poured into the mold from the Mando series or animation, but we can't ignore the likes of Carrie Jones as Chrysanthemum. I mean, even though you couldn't see it was him under all that hair and makeup, he did such a great job just in expressing with his eyes. Danny Trejo as the Rancor Keeper. I, you know, I kind of expected it with Robert Rodriguez, but he did a great job in that little bit that he had. And Jennifer Beals as the lovely Garza Whip. I'm still hoping she survived the explosion of her sanctuary somehow and can come back. Maybe your clothes are tattered and I need a minute. Okay, looking ahead to Obi-Wan, of course we have the roles that were cast back during the prequel trilogy days. Like Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, Joel Edgerton as Owen Lars, and Bonnie Peace as Baru. But we have some other folks to think about, like Kumail Nanjiani. We don't know what his role's going to be, but I have to think he'll be a slight source of comic relief. At least I hope so. He was really the only bright spot of the Eternals for me. We have Indira Varma as Tia, the Imperial officer, and I think that will be a good fit for her. But what about O'Shea Jackson Jr.? Frankly, I love me some Ice Cube, and I've been impressed with everything I've seen O'Shea Jackson Jr. in thus far. Now, I'm seeing that they're both cast in the limited series, unless the folks at IMDb somehow think they're the same person. I hope that's not the case. Uh, but it would be cool to see the father and son duo play the same part, but in alternate times. Like, Ice Cube playing a role in the present, and then O'Shea Jackson Jr. playing the same role in maybe a flashback. That could be cool. But all this got me to thinking, who else might make a good fit for this new era of Star Wars storytelling? So what did I do? I reached out to some of you listeners and got some very interesting answers. And I took those answers and ranked them based on nothing other than my personal preferences, because sometimes it's just good to be the king. Anyway, I, I created a top 10 list out of all the suggestions I got from you, you wonderful, faithful listeners, and I'll count down 10 to 1, and I'll mention who each suggestion came from to give you guys your props and talk a bit about why I picked that person. I also have some honorable mentions and some, uh, we'll call them unmentionables, so to speak. So here we go. Number 10, Adam Scott. 
Now, this was suggested by my daughter, Lauren, and yes, I believe he earns a spot just because he's a damn Star Wars super fan, and this would be a dream come true for him. Uh, I wouldn't give him a big role. His voice isn't one that I don't think I could pick it out if he were just to do like a, a stormtrooper or something like that. So let's give him something where we can see him or maybe put him in alien makeup. He might really like that. Number nine, Colby Smolders. Listener Kelly uh, suggested this one. And I could see her in a rebel officer role and maybe she turns heel. And uh, I don't know. That could be interesting. I could see her pulling off a duality like that. Number eight. Brian Cranston, suggested by Jason from the Smuggler's Galaxy podcast. I think Brian Cranston can do anything he puts his mind to, and I'm totally for it. Uh, I don't know if he wants to be Imperial, Rebel, First Order, whatever. High Republic, whatever you want to do, I'm good with it. Number seven, Taylor Kish. Kish? 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 Here we are again. God damn it. That guy. John Carter from Mars Guy. Uh, this was suggested by longtime friend Tori, um, and Taylor could make for a cool, like, Quinlan Voss, maybe, um, if you know who that is. Think about that and let me know what you come up with. Okay, number six, Michelle Yeoh. This was suggested by Sharon over in Ireland. I was first introduced to Michelle Yeoh in Jackie Chan's Super Cop, and she continues to wow me. She could have been a cool villain, like an Inquisitor. I could really see her in that role. That would be really cool. Number five, Lena Headey. This one also suggested by Sharon. Good job, Sharon. Uh, The villainous Circe from Game of Thrones. Oh, yes. Uh, I'd very much like to see her as... A wise Jedi. Let's see her do some good finally. She did a lot of evil shit in Game of Thrones. Uh, so let's let's put her on the side of the light. Number four, Cillian Murphy. Also Sharon. Sharon, you pulled off a hat trick. Do they have do they have ice hockey in Ireland? Uh, two things I suck at are sports and geography. I don't know. I don't know. But you did it. Good job. Uh, Cillian Murphy used to give me the creeps back like in the movie Red Eye uh, with Rachel McAdams. Um, that was until I watched Peaky Blinders. Now I'm a big fan and I could see him, uh, honestly, I could see Cillian Murphy as like a ruthless bounty hunter. I think he'd do really well there. Okay. Before I run down my top three, let's go over a couple of honorable mentions. First, I'm going to start with Walton Goggins. Now this one was suggested by a couple of people, Jason again from Smuggler's Galaxy and my best friend Andy, who I think just wants to see him reunited with Timothy Oliphant and have like a justified in space situation. I'm not against it. I'm not against it. Next, Tori suggested Allison Janney, and that took me a bit by surprise. But thinking about it, I could totally see her as a despicable villain. She's absolutely fantastic, and she could totally fit in the Star Wars universe. I I don't know why this hasn't already happened. Okay, back to the list with number three. Steven Yun. Yun? Shit. Steven Yun. This was suggested by my son, Andrew, and my daughter, Lauren. And the funny thing is, I asked them separately, and this was the first name that they both brought up. So... That's kind of funny. And it also tells me that Glenn from The Walking Dead would make a fine addition to the Star Wars universe. So, yeah, let's bring it on. But he's got to be a hero. Glenn can only be a good guy, right? Number two, Zendaya. 
Yes. Okay, this was suggested by friend of the show, Kelly. And yes, this young lady is a powerhouse. Sign her to something right now. Now, before I reveal my number one pick, I want to talk about some of your suggestions that not only didn't make the list, but they hurt my head. Um, Travis the Podfather suggested Patrick Stewart. And to that, I can only say, how very dare you, sir? Longtime listener Timmy suggested Jason Momoa. Stop it, Timmy. Stop it. Right now. He's a pretty, pretty man, but he can't be in Star Wars. Finally, uh, again, my best friend Andy said, and I quote, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Billy D. Williams, Carrie Fisher, Frank Oz. Did I win? Unquote. No, Andy. You didn't win. You just didn't. I'm going to file that suggestion away with your complaint about episode one, not having enough Ewoks. I I don't know what to do. Okay, it's time for my number one pick of the Force of Course listener suggestions of Star Wars movie or series casting or whatever. I, I don't really have a name for this segment, I guess. The number one pick is Anya Taylor-Joy. And this one was suggested by my son, Andrew. Now, from the moment I saw her in The Queen's Gambit, I was intrigued by her. I can see her in just about any role imaginable in the Star Wars universe. A bright-eyed Jedi Padawan, a Sith witch, a bounty hunter, a pirate smuggler, a Twi'lek spy. Whatever she wants, put her in the damn thing. I don't care. Let's make that happen. All right. That does it for this week's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you hear, tell a buddy, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to grow the audience, and the audience is growing. I thank you all for that. Uh, if you'd like to be a part of the show, you can always interact with me on social media, The Force of Course on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email the show directly at theforceofcourse77 at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been The Force of Course. My name is Ted, and as always... Play with your toys.